0: Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just wanna give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do, just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you wanna help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic
1: Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi.
0: Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics podcast, where we discussed using nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking to help you hack the power of your brain. My name is Eric. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, and today on the podcast, I have Christina Santini. Christina has a degree in human nutrition from Metropolitan Copenhagen University, along with certifications in Ayurveda by Dr. Deepak Chopra, biological medicine by Dr. Rao. She's a yoga teacher and has expertise in thermography screening. She has worked fifteen plus years at private hospitals in Europe, along with seven years in New York and Los Angeles for medical doctors, including Dr. Eric Braverman, with executive health programs. She is the owner of the nutrition clinic in Copenhagen and pedals between LA and Copenhagen. Christina Santini is particularly passionate about the science-based overlappings between Western medicine and eastern health philosophy. She has been featured in L magazine along with various other outlets. So me and Christina had a really cool conversation all about using nutrition to optimize things like your thyroid, to overcome issues like chronic fatigue, and really just general ways to use nutrition and to identify problems with environmental toxicity. We go deep into the science of detox and how this can single-handedly affect How your cognition works. You know, we're surrounded by chemicals. We're especially surrounded by mold. We got EMFs. We got all these things going on. And as we keep putting more and more stuff into our bodies, whether it's Nootropics, or supplements, or pharmaceuticals, or food, or whatever it is, we're still not hitting the underlying problems, which are these, which which is our exposure to just environmental toxicity. So, me and Christina have a really cool conversation all about that. She's an expert in nutrition, so we get a little nerdy in the nutrition stuff, but it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So, with that, let's jump into the podcast with my good friend, Christina Santini. Christina, let's get this thing started. You're an expert in clinical nutrition and I want to talk to you all about, you know, nutrition's influence in mental health, specifically in how it affects things like or how things like Candida, gut health, thyroid, chronic fatigue really influence the power of our brain. So, that's kind of an overview of the topics we're going to talk about today. But before we get into all that, tell me a little bit about your background in nutrition, why you got into nutrition, any health issues you dealt with yourself. What is your path that brought you to this point now?
1: Um, Well, I got really interested in nutrition back in uh, the biology classes where we started reading books about addiction. And I think as any uh, one in senior high school, uh, you begin to grapple with uh, various substances, alcohol and what else is offered to you. Um, I didn't ever venture into harder drugs because I always felt like I had a very addictive personality. Um, and it was interesting to me to see how someone would take drugs and they would just never look back. And you'd see other people who do drugs and they could easily get off it again. Um, So when I was reading books about how people are wired differently in their brains, and also they were talking, this was kind of early on. I mean, all of this is kind of pretty common knowledge today. We're talking about how amino acids and uh, vitamins impact our brain chemistry. uh, What dopamine is built up of like tyrosine and stuff. But this was pretty... Uh, we, weren't, we weren't taught it in school, um, and books like um, Dr. Eric Braverman's The Edge Effect, um, he was one of the pioneers along with Carl Fe- talk, 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 call Carl Pfeiffer, um, so I was uh, reading some of those books, and it was just, I thought this makes a lot of sense, also in regards to how food could affect our brain. So I just began to think, okay, this is not just about drugs affecting our brain, this is actually about understanding how our brain is built up by various things that you can also affect through what you eat. And that was kind of that was really fascinating to me because I wasn't really interested in uh, like the typical dietitian stuff, calorie counting, eat more fiber, uh, stuff like that. It was kind of like everyone knows that from the magazines. Uh, but it's also interesting when you go to some of the, those uh, rehabs to see back in the day. I mean, today it's also pretty common knowledge, but you were seeing that some of those addicts, they were emptying the sugar uh, trays into their teas and coffees. And it was like when you were reading the books, understanding how drugs could affect their brain chemistry, and then you were seeing how they were just exchanging one drug for another, uh, which kind of kept the pathways alive. And that also meant that I I don't really buy into sugar being um, super addictive in the way that you have to be scared about just having some sugar in your tea. But when you're seeing uh, drug addicts, how they're using sugar, that's in a very different way. It's like huge amounts. And also when you're talking about people who have uh, eating disorders like bulimia or binge eating, uh, then you can really talk about food having an addictive nature. Um, And that's just really what kind of uh, got me into and um, working with nutrition so when i finished uh, nutrition school um i more or less i would say my first real job i had a little bit of internship before that but that was uh, just grabbing a plane ticket took to uh, new york and uh, wanted to work for dr eric graverman which i did Uh, and that was just i mean i knew nothing i was just straight out of school and um but working in an environment where there are so many doctors and psychiatrists and people who are attacking health from different angles. And then you're understanding how the lab work uh, taps into treating the patient. Um, that was probably the best thing I ever did in my life. Um, because as you know, uh, the education we took, um, even though we probably were trained differently, but I mean, a lot of that nutrition education, we, if we wanted to keep up to date with the science, we had to educate ourselves or take courses because mainstream both medical and nutrition education is kind of outdated. I mean, when we take it, it's just about basic stuff. I don't think you got into nootropics from school either, I would assume.
0: No, nobody was talking about nootropics in uh in any school or nutrition classes. Um which makes sense. Nootropics have only really been around, I think, less than 50 years um, themselves. But you know the different compounds that you now classify as nootropics. You know, I mean, you can classify different mushrooms and adaptogenic herbs. Obviously, been around for thousands of years at this point. But um, you're right. I was thinking while you were talking about this idea that when it comes to nutrition uh, and, and nootropics and supplements and things like this, you know, I think that the big thing, you know, both you know, dietitians, nutritionists, doctors, and users, we all forget that these are all chemicals and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, whether it is a, a supplement or a drug or a stick of broccoli, these are chemicals you put in your body and they elicit a reaction and we're all just labs. And the, the thing is about the human body is everybody's lab is different. You know, there exactly. is no standard lab, right? So like yeah. my lab is different from your lab. So if you eat a piece of steak and I eat a piece of steak, it's going to have two completely different. Different effects on us. Like we know what the biochemistry of the steak is, but we barely understand our own biochemistry. And then you start putting in things like genetics and then gut bacteria, and then the makeup of the brain, the neurotransmitters. It's like, now you've just thrown all these new variables in and yeah, it's so much more than about just calories in calories out. Like this idea is so outdated and it needs to evolve.
1: Yeah. And I think just about understanding that people's path to health is also very different because I would say, I mean, uh, I'm seeing in the health care space. I mean, Denmark is a very small country and we're also socialistic, um, so it doesn't get more um, there. I say narrow minded than that. Um, Mm. There's a very small box you have to fit in. uh, And that kind of applies also in work matters uh, as well. and unfortunately uh, that makes the debate in healthcare very extreme. It's like you have this kind of model you're supposed to follow and there is not really room to think out of the box. And that means that you have a lot of authority uh, seeming more, uh, like conventional doctors uh, over here who are where there's a big pushback against understanding that people are different and also understanding that yes, Um, If you eat uh, everything, I mean, sugar is not gonna be addictive if you're just eating a little bit of it. But again, understanding that if people come with a background, again, in the eating disorder field or in the addiction field, then I think you can talk about certain types of foods in excess not being super great for these people if they are to change their ways and change the pathways in their brain. But then again, you have normal people who are scared of buying tomato ketchup because they think they're gonna get addicted to sugar or they're scared of a banana. I mean, it's like the information is not going out to the people who needs it. And then you have mainstream uh, dietitians and doctors who's just saying, uh, just eat everything in kind of moderation, but that's not gonna cut it for everybody. Um, so really understand, yeah, that people are different and also men and women are different. Um, our dietary needs are different and it's also going to change in different times in our life. I mean, a vegan diet might be qu- quite good, uh, at times when you want to give your gut a break from digesting all the meat and just kind of cleansing out your, um, digestive system But if you want to detox, then people don't realize that if you're just missing one amino acid, you can't detox. So if people are long-term vegans, then they actually become like these sponges to soak up toxins because they're lacking amino acids. I mean, you can be a vegan and get your amino acid met dietarily wise, but it's very difficult because the soil is also so depleted these days. Um, So plants just aren't what they used to be. That's the biggest
0: misconception with the word detox. And I'm so happy. I'm starting to see like a backlash against these things, you know, like, uh, you know, every spring there's like the, you know, the spring detox, right. Yeah. Or the, the master cleanse, you know, or yeah. the celery juice detox, whatever. And I, cause I did the vegan diet for like two years. And, um, when I went, I saw a functional doctor uh and she ran a bunch of labs on me and man I was so deficient in so many things. Like, I really believe that yeah. the the deficient vegan thing was a myth. I was like, well, I feel great as a vegan. I thought I felt great. I had these little nagging issues and I, I, you know, it's like my cognitive dissonance got the better of me. And not to say like, this is a vegan thing, because it's certainly a keto thing. It's a paleo yeah. thing. It's yeah. a, it's a, whatever your diet yeah. thing is, you're yeah. always going to have a little cognitive dissonance because we're tribal beings and we get so, pa- we don't, we don't get passionate about religion anymore. We get passionate about our diets now.
1: I, yeah. I so agree. It's so ridiculous. It's, it's like we exchange for food. I we mean, did.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you know, the, it's true. Like when, when people say this, like we got to have a detox, So what am I going to do? I'm just going to eat a bunch of vegetables. I'm just going to eat only fruits. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, but you see the way you detox is y- your livers involved. And there's mm-hmm. certain specific amino acids that it needs to mm-hmm. to properly do this job. So, so maybe mm-hmm. you can talk a little bit about that. Let, let's jump into, into detox and let's talk about detox in terms of why it's good for the body, how it actually works, and and then the, the mental effects that you can get from, from a good detox.
1: Yeah, and also um, tying into um, like the thyroid function, uh, we're seeing that a lot of these environmental chemicals and heavy metals, stuff like lead, mercury, uh, perchlorate, uh, butadiene, um, all of those things we're exposed to, especially, unfortunately, through we our drinking water or environment, um, mercury and dental fillings um, from various medication, um, even painkillers. I think that's actually aluminum in painkillers. I'm getting a little bit, um, but people don't realize that we have so many sources in our everyday environment and it's not from food. I mean, health nuts will be very obsessed about not eating anything if it's not organic. I mean, we all know that person who we can't go out to eat with because they will only eat organic stuff and it's like you cannot i mean sure if you took a blood test then you're probably going to see that the pesticides within 24 hours are measurable typically in the blood but the body is fine detoxing kind of small amounts of everyday toxins but where it really becomes a problem is when we're having those heavy loads which is our water supply that's a lot of Um, kind of stuff we're taking in without thinking of it. We're drinking three liters of water every day. We're bathing in it. And all of that is quite often contaminated with chemicals, pesticides, and we're just taking it in. So I would say people pay a lot of attention to the food and it is important to like get the building blocks for your body through the food. It's important to get both the fats, the carbs, and the protein to, help your liver to detox, to help your hormones. Um, I'm also seeing an epidemic right now of women struggling with the keto hangover issues. Um, They are looking strictly at how's my blood sugar doing? So they think they need to cut out all carbs, but it's like blood sugar is one part of the health puzzle. I mean, you wanna look at how's your energy levels doing? How's your brain doing? How is something like your bone density doing? A lot of people don't get that DEXA scan at the doctor. And that means that we have a epidemic right now of women and men who are getting weak bones. Um, And that's tied to actually the keto diet has shown to increase the risk of weak bones. Um, But going back to just how we're seeing that these toxins um, are affecting the thyroid. And when the thyroid is not functioning properly, then that affects your digestion. And when your digestion is not functioning properly, you can't really um, get the nutrient that you need for the rest of your body to function. And you can't, um, well, nothing really functions when your digestion is not functioning. But again, um, I think a major issue here is that people look at dysbiosis of the gut and they don't backtrack it. They don't ask the question, why is the gut not functioning? And if the gut is not functioning because the thyroid is impaired, so the digestive capacity is very weak, and the thyroid is not functioning because there is maybe heavy metals, chemicals affecting the thyroid, then you're constantly going to be stuck in symptom treating the gut. Um, We know that SIBO um, and parasites, they're gonna be opportunistic if there's low stomach acid in the gut. Um, So we really wanna understand Why is there low stomach acid in the gut? Um, How can we fix that? So that maybe can cure the SIBO, which everyone is getting treatment these days. But the SIBO, I see that as a triple down effect of something else.
0: Yeah. And SIBO is tricky too, because a lot of doctors like to treat it with antibiotics. And then, so you're going, it's like you said, you go after the SIBO, but you don't have to go after, I mean, Food and correct me if I'm wrong here, but food, you know, when you eat it goes through your uh, stomach. And then it gets taken down by hydrochloric acid. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't get taken down by hydrochloric acid, I always tell people it's like that, that Boulder in Indiana Jones where it's like, it starts there. And then like, that's like the food. And if it doesn't get broken down, it just starts rolling down your stomach. And it's just, just hitting walls, like a, like a bowling ball, just on a a bumper uh, lane or whatever, just bing, 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 hitting the sides, just causing problems, causing ulcers, causing you, know bad bacteria growth and it yeah. all starts up there at SIBO and so if you if you clear the SIBO with antibiotics well now you've got two problems number one you don't have any more gut bacteria number two mm-hmm. you didn't solve the underlying problem so you're just mm-hmm. gonna go right back down this road again because it's like you said you don't have hydrochloric acid but why don't you have hydrochloric acid you didn't figure that part out
1: yeah and I mean that could be something like uh, we know that um tiamine thiamine thiamine, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> thiamine yeah thiamin. And uh, B12 uh, plays into uh, stomach acid. And Mm -hmm. we also, another interesting thing is that I see a lot of people when they have anemia uh, from the doctor, then they get recommended to take iron, which is Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, you can, because you have low blood count, that can come from all sorts of different stuff besides lack of iron. If you're testing iron in people's minerals, I mean, it does happen, but it's not necessarily the cause of anemia. And actually, if you have low stomach acid, that's going to cause oftentimes the anemia. So if you fix the stomach acid issue, whatever is causing that, then you can get your blood, um, your, um, blood count back to normal. And um, also parasites, they tend to uh, cause anemia. So if there's a parasite issue, that could be the cause of anemia and not iron. And iron is like so toxic for especially men to get too much of. But again, some people are lacking it. So you want to take it if you need it. But like supplement without knowing the cause of this deficiency is a big thing. Because sometimes we lack the minerals or uh, vitamins, like something like magnesium uh, deficiency is rampant. But sometimes it's due to the kidneys not functioning properly. And then you'll see the magnesium in the blood be high. And then people are like, my magnesium is too high. Nah, you're just not absorbing it. Because if you test it, you typically in hair mineral or in photospectrometry testing, then magnesium is always gonna be deficient. But if the blood um, magnesium is high, something is causing an, an absorption of magnesium, and you wanna understand that. And so where do you look in that case? I would look at, I mean, with that, with low magnesium, I would look at what's causing the kidneys. Typically, if you check the kidneys, you're gonna see that GFR number, is low uh, which means that the kidneys are not functioning properly so they're having difficulty to actually help the body absorb magnesium and well a lot of things like mold can affect the kidneys so i would test for i mean again i would almost always go back to test for toxicity and then nutrients uh step two uh lacking nutrients uh but toxicity is just like such a big cause of so many issues in the body when it's not working, when it's not able to absorb nutrients, when it's causing organ dysfunction.
0: Yeah. Th- Cause it's, it's everywhere, right? Like we yeah. really underestimate how, how much toxicity we're exposed to, you know, it's like, if you live in a modern building, which I would imagine most people listening to this are, yeah. you are getting exposed to modern uh modern building chemicals. So the yeah. chemicals in the paint, the chemicals in the yeah. in your tiles, the chemicals in your carpet. Mm-hmm. Carpet, by the way, uh probably full of mold. If you live in a cold, dark climate, like if you live in the northeast, the northwest, um, you even get this problem like I'm in Puerto Rico, huge mold problem here, huge mold problems in mm-hmm. Florida. Um, anywhere that gets hit by a lot of rain, by hurricanes, um, And the mold thing, it's just one of those things that just keeps popping up as topics here on this podcast because it's, it's, it's like you said, now it's, now it's affecting the kidneys. Oh my God. Like I've already worried about mold for, uh, you know, for the brain, I'm worried about the brain. Now I'm worried about the gut. And now you're talking about the kid. It's like this mold thing. And I'm actually like researching fungus right now. And there, I mean, we live with fungus. Like you can't, there's also the other side of it. You can't just like eradicate it, you know? So, so, so what do you do? What do you do with mold?
1: I mean, uh, we know that here in Denmark, and I think it's probably the same, if not worse, in the U.S. and many European countries, it's estimated that approximately 25% of the buildings have mold damage. But the government just can't afford to do anything about it. Uh, So people just live in these buildings where there is mold. And I did myself as well, and I got very sick from that. I had debilitating migraines that came out of nowhere. um, And that went back to... Uh, The mold, I believe it was a combination of both mold and too much EMF at the same time. Mm. Um, But getting rid of the mold, uh, that really helped a lot. And then uh, cutting down on the EMF exposure, finally kind of completely solved, was the last piece of puzzle for me. Um, But we also know that 25% of asthma cases in the States, they are caused by mold. And I'm like, how can you be a serious medical doctor? and you're not asking your patient about their housing situation. I mean, I myself, I, was, I went to the doctor because I mean, some of the smartest people I know, they're doctors, but also some of the most narrow-minded people I know are doctors. Um, but I was um, prescribed an uh, asthma medication for my, I mean, and I tested myself afterwards and it was a mold issue. I would have been on migraine medication and asthma medication for the rest of my life if I hadn't solved my own mold issue. I just, I, I just find that mind-boggling that they have, and these are, I don't remember where I read, the, but these are FDA uh, papers that are saying that 25% of asthma cases, they're estimated to be due to mold. Why are people not fixing that instead of giving people asthma medicine?
0: Well, there's no money to be made in fixing mold and there's lots of money to be made in asthma medication. Just ballparking.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, why are doctors not asking it? I just don't understand it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the doctor thing, I, I, I can be pretty harsh on, on like mainstream allopathic doctors. I think a lot more now are, are because you have a lot of younger doctors that yeah. are growing up in this time of functional medicine and they're becoming doctors, but then, you know, they're, they're seeing the, just the sheer numbers of people that are just returning to their office with the same problems and the functional medicine thing is becoming more popular. So I think now more like the younger doctors are becoming more aware of root cause issues Versus just problem pill, problem pill. But, you know, it's also the constraints of doctors are, I mean, just unreal. You know, it's like they have the offices full of people and they have eight minutes to see a person. And it's like you can't sit down with a person and go, well, what's your mold situation? So you got to get them in and out. And, um, um, you know, and that's where it comes back to people like, who listen to this podcast or or go online and find as bad as as much as I don't encourage people to to start consulting with Dr. Google, start Mm -hmm. listening to experts like yourself, like doctors who go on podcasts and have popular blogs or Twitter accounts. You know, it's kind of crazy to say, like, go to Twitter to find medical information, but some of the (laughs) best conversations about these sorts of things, like you could learn about mold from, you know, someone like, um, Dr. Jill Krista, who's been on the podcast, who's on Twitter, who's got an email list who will tell you about mulch. You know, they have the studies, they have the connections between all these different things and yes. you know, you can start figuring out how to solve that yourself and just do what you can, you know?
1: Yeah. But I just feel like, I mean, what is a little bit, um, how should I put this? Uh, mind boggling is just that, especially in, I would say the U S is much better at working cross disciplinary. And you have doctors who are really open-minded also about nutrition. That's really important Mm if you're not just going to symptom manage. And you have a better uh, cross-disciplinary work, usually. Um, But there is still a lot of kind of just labeling people as, ah, that's alternative. And I just find it's like funny how – it's like, there's so much science to this. The science is out there. Maybe you didn't read it, but it's there. And it's like, facts don't care about your feelings. They're still facts. And the fact is that you have a lot of stuff also uh, under the FDA, like explaining that 25% of asthma cases are tied to mold, but still you're going to get the pushback quite right often. Uh, that's just some alternative nonsense. And that that's the big problem in the, healthcare industry, that's like the resistance to new knowledge. I think that's a big yeah. and scary thing. It's like people are so scared of admitting that they don't know everything. And it's yeah. like, there's new knowledge every day. So we're never going to be good practitioners if we don't just constantly be hungry for new knowledge.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's, I, I think that's also on that's on the patient side too. Like they have to, you have to do your research. You have to be, you have to understand it's like, your body's not like a car where it's like mechanics. There's good mechanics and there's bad mechanics, right? And you know a bad mechanic because you take it to a bad mechanic, your car breaks down you don't, as patients know, if your body's breaking down until it's fully broke down, right? Like I practice yeah. preventative medicine because I take care of myself. You probably do too. Most people I I know do, but the average American is like, I don't know something's wrong until I can't get up in the morning <laughs> or until I'm in severe yeah. pain. And at some point you have to be, the awareness has to get out there. Like, you know, yes, that the, the food you eat does affect your health. Like you can't drink five sodas a day and not expect to experience severe inflammation. You know, you can't um if you have a gluten sensitivity or if you have a grain sensitivity, you can't eat like, you know, sandwiches all the time and expect to be okay or eat, you know, a, a, a pint of ice cream every couple of days and just expect to be okay like and it's not just food. I mean, it's, it's the whole, it's the lifestyle. It's the mold. It's not exposed. Like the number one thing that since, um, you know, I've been really becoming aware of this, that drives me crazy is plastic and just Mm. people's carelessness around plastic, where it's like, you know, you do something good, right? Like you, you, you cook the night before you're like, okay, cool. I cooked, you know, Uh, and then now you got leftovers. You bring your leftovers to work. It's like chicken and broccoli or whatever. You're like, I'm doing a healthy and you keep it in a plastic container and you put that plastic container in the microwave. And now you've just got, you've just got (laughs) plastic covered chicken and rice and broccoli. (laughs) And it's like, how did you, how did you do that? Like you were so close (laughs) and then you, you just did that. So, and I, you know, it, it's stuff like that, that it's like, it's like, we're almost there. And then that happens. And then people lose faith in health. They go, this chicken and broccoli thing doesn't, and granted, I'm not sitting here saying chicken and broccoli is like the way to go. Um, but they'll be like, oh, this health thing doesn't work. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't lose weight. Well, yeah, because yeah, all your food was covered in plastic. All your food was covered in all these chemicals, vegetable oils too, right? Like you're cooking all your stuff in vegetable oil. So you just are coating your stuff with all of this, all of these chemicals that create all this toxicity in your body body. And then you start getting into the depression, right? Then you start getting into the anxiety. Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? You know, all I do, I, I don't get it. Like I, I want to feel good in the morning. I drink a couple of sodas before I go to bed. I don't get it. You know, I cook all my food in, in corn oil. I don't get it. I'm just depressed. I'm anxious. They never tie the things together, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's also kind of, we put the focus sometimes on the wrong things because we don't get tested. I mean, like you test yourself, you test your clients. And I would never be able to guess in a million years, the type of toxics or mold issues they have. And if I was just doing regular dietitian work, it wouldn't move the needle. I mean, for some people it will, because some people are just eating too much crap and just eating a whole food-based diet that will change a lot of things. But again, if people have chronic illness, what most people are realizing is that they need to eat really bland food because their digestion capacity is so low that if they just eat any type of bread or any type of cake or something that also works, makes life worth living, then they feel sick. So they think that they need to be on this really restrictive, super restrictive, ridiculous restrictive diet for the rest of their life. And that's what's healing them. But again, we're looking at, nah, that's not really healing them. It's, ca- it's making the symptoms kind of be low. But if your symptoms are kind of coming back just by eating a slice of cake, then something is off. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, but it's like, it's very difficult for human, human beings to think in terms of not being so black, white in their thinking around food and health and also understanding what are the weakest link when it comes to my health? Is it my bones? Because then I shouldn't be on a keto diet. Maybe it's not the blood sugar, which is really the issue or is it the toxicity, which is causing an impaired thyroid functioning, which is ruining my gut health, which is causing candida to run amok? And you're also seeing these uh, things where people try to starve out candida by going on a sugar-free diet. Yes. But it's like you can't starve out candida. It, it's it's going to be there in any case because there is a kind of reasonable amount of it. But also what can happen if you really live super, super sugar-free, super carb-free, is that candida is going to travel upstream in search of the sugar, Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: it's going to inject these invasive filaments into the gut walls. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't get killed by the white blood cells, then you have systemic candida, which is almost impossible to get rid of. I won't Mm -hmm. say impossible, but systemic candida is just really nasty. So actually being completely strict low carb, no carb, uh, that can actually aggravate the issue. I'm not saying that you should drink soda, not at all, or eat a lot of wonder bread, but uh, I mean, candida is there for other reasons. It's there because the gut is impaired. It's there typically also when you have toxicity, um, mold, heavy metals, all of these things can aggravate, um, these candida issues in the gut. Uh, So I would rather look at that than I would cut out a banana or cut out an apple uh, because that's not really going to solve the candida issue. Uh, It's going to make it worse. And you also have these cases where people report. uh, I had one client who she reports feeling like she's drinking beer all the time. And that's like candida is producing these alcoholic kind of substances in the body. Um, And that is just some nasty stuff. Um, and it also crosses over to the blood-brain barrier, so you get this brain fog. I mean, most people, if they don't have mold, then I would say they usually have a candida issue when you test them, a fungal issue, and that's causing the brain fog.
0: Hey, just wanna take a quick second to tell you guys about a new CBD product that I am absolutely loving. This is Airtree Live Hypo CBD. This is a CBD topical spray. So you actually spray the CBD onto your skin, you rub it in, and it bypasses all the digestion, gets absorbed epidermically through your skin directly into your bloodstream, so it's actually 17 times more effective than traditional CBD tinctures. It's made here in America in a GMP certified facility, all with organic, natural ingredients, and you get 30 milligrams of CBD per, per serving, which my stoner friends tell me is a lot. So you can actually get yourself a free sample of this Airtree Live Hypo topical CBD just going over to holisticneutropics.com forward slash live hypo. That's all one word, live hypo, one word, and get yourself a free trial of CBD. So again, holisticneutropics.com forward slash live hypo. Sign yourself up, get some free CBD, try it out. If you don't like it, give this stuff to your grandma with arthritis, move on with your life, or get yourself some more CBD and feel gravy. Okay, let's jump back into the podcast. Candida is so wild and it's so misunderstood and I'm I'm actually in some of these Candida support groups on Facebook and um to hear to, to, to witness the conversation around. And, and, and I get it because I was there too. Like, you know, I had my health nut experimentation phase where it was like, I was just throwing all kinds of crap at the wall, just trying to see like, what is this? And it probably made things even worse, but you know, one of them was uh was this high potency botanical. And it was like, this is this, everyone you go online. It's like, everyone's like, this is the thing. You, this is kill Candida. And I did, I was like, I saw nothing, not like no change. And it wasn't until I spoke to, um, Susan Owens and, um, also Sally Norton, their oxalate specialists. And we were talking about oxalates and it's, and not to say, not to say that oxalates is the thing. Like Mm -hmm. I hate like labeling something, the thing, but you know, you start to see like, Oh, oxalates actually exacerbate candida and and start to cause like what you're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can't just go in and start trying to nuclear bomb your candida because it's like you said, it has a biological purpose in your Mm -hmm. gut. It's when it starts to run rampant and it's not Mm -hmm. because of all the sugar you eat. It's because of these other, Underlying things and starving it, it just doesn't doesn't work. You need you need to you need to create a symbiotic relationship in your gut. So um, it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, and I just don't think that people realize that it can make it worse because it's like it's aggressive. It's going to find a way. It's almost like the same notion that you can starve cancer, where it's like cancer has so many different pathways where it can survive. So, I mean, you're not just gonna starve cancer by cutting, and there's tons of good stuff for cancer in fruit. So I'm also very hesitant about the whole thing, cut out fruit if you have cancer, because sugar feeds cancer. It's it's not that simple. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really not. It's like when people do this thing, it drives me crazy. Fruit has sugar. No, no, no. It has fructose, right? It's metabolized completely different than sucrose in your body. It also has fiber. It also has micronutrients, also has vitamins, also has minerals, also has water, also has all these amazing things that for some reason nature decided should be on the planet and we should eat it and spread its seeds around the world. But yet now, Over the last 10 years, we decided, well, no, all those years of human history, it was the fruit that was giving us all, even though cancer didn't really exist in populations until maybe like a hundred years ago, and fruit's been around for millions of years, it's it's the fruit this whole time that's been doing all this. So, uh, hey, point taken.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, And it's also like, I mean, people don't understand that sugar is kind of like, I mean, sugar in nature is a smart thing because it's like your cells eat sugar and you want to get the nutrients inside the cells to make them do their job. So if you're cutting out, I mean, if you're altering the food in some weird, crazy way, uh, I remember working for uh, people who would only eat like green apples and green bananas and everything really sour because of the sugar issue. Um, But it's like, your cells want the nutrients with the naturally occurring sugar because that's how they get into the cells. It's like a Trojan horse, kind of, but it's a good Trojan horse. Um, yeah. So oh, it's
0: true. It's true.
1: It's yeah. Yeah. It's it's the cell the,
0: the mitochondria needs glucose. Like yeah. plain and simple. Your brain cells need glucose, right? Like you need yeah. there's a reason for this. There's a reason why we have the glucose, you know? And it's like it's so different than high fructose corn syrup. They're they're two completely different yeah, things, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I, I did actually want to ask you because you, you brought this up and I wanted to come back to it, which is um brain fog. Because, you know, in my space in the nootropics, it's like to me, everything starts with brain fog, you know, everything it's, it, it's, it, it's just kind of like this feeling you have, where you, you don't feel optimal. You feel really suboptimal. You just feel like you can't get up in the morning. You can't get motivated to do stuff. You just kind of want to sit on the couch. It creates, I mean, in my opinion, it, it, it creates, it's like when people talk about depression and they go, you just don't get it. Like it's not depression. Isn't being sad. It's just like this kind of real, just a uh, lowly feeling, or you just don't feel motivated. And it, it, it always, it always comes back to brain fog for me. And mm. when I hear people saying like, okay, well, how am I going to cure my depression? Okay. Well, I'm gonna cure my depression with antidepressants, or I'm going to cure my depression with, you know, some, some nootropic, or I'm going to cure it with some, uh, you know, it, it's typically drugs, right. Um, or whatever. It's, it's always a foreign substance, but it's like the brain fog itself. It's such a complex condition and you've alluded to it a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. in regards to like the thyroid to the gut, all of these things affect brain fog. So I'm curious, like what you see, you know, in your day-to-day practice and kind of how you go around that with like testing and diet and that sort of stuff.
1: I mean, I usually, I usually always find that brain fog and the chronic fatigue. Um, there is, always i mean probably not always but very often there's a mold aspect involved in that and that is also the one thing where people report feeling less tired more energetic that is when they have gone through a mold detoxification like a detox i mean i totally believe in detox but also i don't believe in detox like you said we need to detox from the environmental toxins Um, And we need to detox if we've been living in a moldy house because this is more than what our liver and kidneys uh, can handle. I mean, if you're testing and your liver function is off, your kidney function is off, then that saying where people like, well, you have a liver and kidney and it's supposed to detox. So all of this detox is just BS. It's like, yeah, I mean, you don't have to detox if you're eating a slice of cake, but all of these environmental uh, toxicity that we're surrounded by today, Our body is not made to handle it, and it gets stored in the body, and that's also why we're seeing um, all of these chronic illnesses. I mean, most of us, uh, when we're 30 plus, we have hormone issues going on, um, and we have a lot of different weird eczema, uh, skin rashes, like you said, brain fog, um, migraines, and we just are like, we're taking it for granted, but it's like there's so many, and like you also said, the housing is such a big thing that I'm just also – beginning to investigate because it's like, I have cancer patient where I looked at where they're living and they're living in areas where the radon level is just so high. And it's like, how is it gonna help them if their nutrition is on point, but they're inhaling all these super cancer causing, uh, off-gassing from the radon in their house. It's like, there are so many aspects of it. Um, But I would say, yeah, the mold thing, Uh, with the brain fog, and obviously also the candida, uh, creating like the alcoholic uh, kind of substances. So treating that in itself, I find gets rid of the brain fog the most effective. And then afterwards, you can try with different uh, nootropics and energizers. But I really think that you're going to benefit much more from that if you kind of detox your body, step one. So the body is much more prone to take in all the nutrients to optimize, uh, the neurotransmitter function.
0: So what's a, what's a good nutrient that you work with or nutrients or, or foods or, or supplements that you work with to start promoting detoxification?
1: Um, again, it depends on what it is. If it's, uh, if it's a uh, candy like we're kind of talking about that, I guess I, I would still work with Um, some antifungals, some natural antifungals, which are not going to completely work like an antibiotic or anything like that. Um, But I would work on figuring out why the candida is there. So if it's there, because there are a lot of heavy metals also thriving in the gut. um, If it's mercury, then I would use something like uh, cilantro and uh, chlorella from glass to get rid of the mercury and make the environment less friendly for the candida to thrive mm. while doing something like Espulardi, um, which is a probiotic, which, which are a spore based probiotic, which kind of helps to bring down the candida level and maybe some uh, natural antifungals like wild oregano, uh, caprylic acid, um, black walnut. Um, and more in look into, again, the cause, is it heavy metals? Is it mold? Whatever else is, aggravating the gut. Right. And, and
0: maybe you could explain this better than me, but as far as I know, the, the biological well, I don't know if it's the original biological function, but the, f- what I've heard is that candida it's, it's function nowadays is to essentially sequester heavy metals from the gut.
1: I mean, you might, I haven't really, I have heard that before and it's kind of my bad that I haven't really looked into it. Um, what I do know is that it's, thrives and how you're going to explain that quite scientifically is that if you have a lot of heavy metals, then you're going to see the candida go up. And this is kind of, I guess, interesting with what you're saying because then you could argue for it. The candida is going up to try to get the heavy metals out. I don't really know if I believe that because I don't really feel that the heavy metals are going down. I mean, the heavy metals are not leaving on their own. Um, The heavy metals are just kind of lingering around in the body if you don't do anything actively uh, to get them out of the body. Um, I'm not seeing from lab testing that the candida in itself is helping to bring down the heavy metals. But I have to say, I don't really, um, I'm not deep into that because I have heard it before and Mm -hmm. it's kind of my bad for not looking into that aspect.
0: Yeah. No worries. It's just, yeah. you know, there's a million reasons and I can't yeah. even say that that's right. It it might be what I realized with these things. It's like, everything is kind of like part of the yeah. reason, right? Yeah. There's like little half truths and everything. And what I just said, you know, could be a part truth, could have, no truth. You know, um, I don't even know how you would find, uh, like you said, I think a good test for that would be like, well, if you have high candida, you should technically have low heavy metals or maybe you, maybe really what you have is both because the candida is just growing, but so was your heavy metal exposure. So like,
1: yeah, can't I, don't ever...
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote um, it
1: down. I remember, uh, I think a couple months ago, I wrote down on a note that I should look into that. Um, and I don't know if I didn't manage to find any research on it or if I just kind of, ate a slice of cake and got busy with other stuff. Got um, that brain
0: fog and then you were yeah. like, oh man. What yeah, was that
1: but again? Yeah. But I'm just kind of thinking logically, the heavy metals just don't go down. I mean, they do very, very, very slowly. You see the cigarettes, heavy metals go very, very slowly after a decade, but it's like insignificant. So I would really have to kind of dig into deeper. How exactly is that synergy doing? Because I know that there is a synergy. If there are a lot of heavy metals, then, uh, you typically see a candida growth.
0: Well, it's interesting, just kind of going back to what we were talking about in the context of heavy metals, candida is causing a lot of leaky gut, right? Cause, uh, it starts permeating that, that gut line and breaking open those tight junctions, which then become tight junctions, broken in the blood brain barrier, leaky gut, leaky brain. And if you have a high exposure to heavy metals, well now those heavy metals would be getting into the brain and thus causing, you know, probably a lot of people's depression, anxiety, um, especially if you're not getting enough sleep or you're, you are eating a lot of, you know, bad foods, you can't actually allow these, your brain, the glial cells to actually detoxify, you know, the brain and do what they're supposed to Mm. do. Um, so it's not that candida itself, it's causing it, but it's like a major um, it's a major proponent of why you start experiencing brain fog, depression, anxiety, all of these problems.
1: Yeah. And it's also like, I mean, I think back in the day before we had the testing to really uh, dig into uh, what was causing um, these malfunctioning neurotransmitter productions, then we would recommend people just to take amino acids, but we also know that it's not that simple. I mean, uh, like if you take certain amino acids, it's not gonna be converted properly if you have a dysfunctional issue in the gut. And then again, people focus on the gut, but yeah, that's gonna happen again if the toxic load is not uh, fixed. So in a way, I think health today is kind of simple yet uh, it's also super, uh, it's super complicated, but I feel like a lot of the chronic illness we're seeing today, it really goes back to toxicity where you're seeing it present itself in different people based on their genetics. But it's like the genes are usually not that important. I mean, we know that genes are typically less than 5% of determining um, it, its lifestyle, it's everything else. It's not genes that's going to be the uh, say-all of your destiny. Uh, But we know that the differences in how it kind of shows itself, that's going to be how we're genetically wired. But we can change the way of our destiny by changing um, the triggers. And that would be, for a lot of things, I really think it's uh, environmental toxicity. And also the EMF, I mean, the wireless technology is really – I think it's just gonna be just as bad when we fully grasp how bad it is as the invention of bacteria. Like people uh, also were ridiculing people for uh, the discovery of bacteria because they're like, well, I can't see it. Uh, so this is just nonsense. But I mean, it brought down the rate of women dying at ch- childbirth uh, significantly when the doctors began to wash their hands because they were coming straight out from the mortuary. And uh, right now we're seeing that people, um, we have the research, which is showing that an animal's wireless technology is really a health disaster. And I think we're just waiting as a lab experiment to fully understand what it's doing to humans. I
0: I, I get on board with that. You know, it's, I, I I've read, you know, my share of things on this and I, and I see the discussion on it and Just from what I know about, like you said, the history of health, you know, there was a time where we thought like, how do you, you know, how do you help somebody's madness? Well, you cut off their arm. And you let them bleed it out. Right. <laughs> like, uh, okay. like how do we, how do we help somebody's yeah. chronic pain? Well, you give them a, a, a leech, you give them like a little yeah. bug and have it like go in there and start cleaning stuff up. And if you didn't think that that stuff was good, you were, you were a quack. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, and then one of my favorite shows, I only watched a season of it, but it is, Oh man, I think about it all the time. It's called the Nick. It was on Showtime and it was about this old New York city. I don't know if it was a real story, but it was like, definitely like, uh, historical fiction, um, Mm -hmm. where it was based on real stories, this old hospital in New York in like 1902 or something. And just, you know, this doctor who was strung out on opiates and he would go in and do surgeries and he would just do these surgeries and he would kill people on the table and they just were sawing things off and there's blood. They didn't know what they were doing, but that was the frontier. And if you questioned like the validity of, you know, hey, is it right that we just have horses and ducks just like pooping in the same water that we drink? You're a nut job. Why would that make a difference? Right. And it's the same thing. It's like we're always on the frontier. And if you're on the frontier, you gotta be brave and you have to stick to your beliefs. And yeah, like we're surrounded, like I'm just blown away by how much Wi-Fi and Bluetooth radiation we are. Like when I see people wear these you know, the ear pods. And yeah. there's a lot of smart people I know who do that. People who are doctors, naturopaths, yeah. functional doctors who who know yeah. this stuff, right. Are wearing these ear pods. And I'm, and I just, I can't help, but n- think like, that's just your, your skull is just getting beaten down and who knows, maybe it's benign, maybe it's nothing. Right. But to say that it, that it doesn't have some impact that these little microwave, um, you know, energies or whatever, aren't doing something to us. And like we were talking about before on a, on a bio individual level, I think that's crazy.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, we know that we're electric beings, so we are going to be impacted somehow. And I just feel like, I mean, people are talking about like the absence of evidence is what is the absence of evidence? It's just evidence of absence. It's not like evidence that this is not dangerous for us. I mean, sure, it's going to be really difficult to make uh, clinical randomized studies with human beings uh, and figure out who's getting brain cancer 20 years down the road. But when you're seeing it happening in animals, I feel like we should be much more cautious because we've had history show us this time and time again. We've had the mercury fillings where I felt like, How on earth could anyone in their right mind think that mercury, when you could, you knew you could kill people with it back then, but it's like, well, the dentists are saying it's totally fine to put in your mouth. And now we stop doing it. It, It's absolutely a, a horror story to get those dental fillings removed without having mercury everywhere in your body. We have the same going on with asbestos. People are still dying many places in the world from the asbestos in the roof. And we have the same story going on with uh, the tobacco industry where medical doctors were bribed to say that this is healthy, it's stressing you. I, I don't think we need to be a rebel, but I do think we should be using our common sense. I mean, a lot of these things, if we just use our own common sense, this was not at all logical, these things we were being told. Um, and it just takes decades for there to be enough kind of randomized clinical studies done. Um, if you swallow a knife sideways, then it's going to cut your throat. And until those studies are done, then it's probably good to swallow, uh, knives. I mean, that's kind of the level we're at where it's like, do we really need randomized clinical studies? I mean, do we not have a brain that we can use, um, ourselves? I think my little rant.
0: No, I, I I agree. I think, and it's funny because it's, you know, it's like, I'm surrounded by people like people like you, nutritionists, right? Diet, not dietitians, but like nutritional therapy practitioners, naturopaths, right? People who I know, know a lot about health, right? I Mm. I know, know, have studied it. You've read the research and somehow you guys are the ones that are saying all this, right? Meanwhile, I'm being told that that's, that that's nuts, that that's, that's bonkers, that that's quackery Mm. by people who, couldn't tell you the first thing about biology, right? They could not tell you the difference between a eukaryotic cell and a prokaryotic cell. Right. So like, you know, to me, and, and, but they have more influence because they're, they have a louder voice. Right. Meanwhile, all the, all the, all the nutty doctors and nutritionists who actually know about biology and chemistry are the ones saying like, look, we should be at least looking at this, you know, like I get to be honest, like I get a little, we, like, cause I, I try, I I've learned in myself because I can be a bit of a, um, uh, a rebel rouser, you know, that like, it's best for me to just say, okay, I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to listen to both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to just assume things because yeah. there's no, there's absence of evidence, right. Because mm-hmm. I also know how expensive it is and how much work it takes to do a randomized yeah. placebo controlled clinical trial. Um, yeah but at the same time like let's be real you know there there is definitely truth to this so yeah. so what i say then coming from a nutrition background is i go this is why it's so important to get your health tight because you're not going to go out. You're not going to, you're not going to get them to take down 5g towers, right? You're not going to get them to take down, you know, they're not going to stop making Bluetooth devices, right? Apple's not going to stop making AirPods. We're not going to stop having, you know, uh, fi routers. You're going to always be surrounded by, you're always gonna be surrounded by building materials and plastic, and you're going to go out to eat and they're going to cook in vegetable oil and soybean oil. But what you can do is you can do all the research for yourself that you can and go, what is my genetic makeup? What are my pre-existing, you know conditions that I'm working with, and how can I best strengthen every cell in my body to be resilient to that stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also just make take control of the things you can in your life. I mean, I have a smartphone because it's difficult to live in the world. I do know uh, actually a professor in his family. Uh, he's a professor in um, some specific area and his whole family, they do not have a smartphone and that's, that says a lot. Um, but I have a smartphone. I, I use sure. it most of the time. I make sure that I'm turning off the Bluetooth, I'm just turning off the data, I'm turning off the Wi-Fi. And I think I also made, uh, I also last year, I hardwired my internet uh, because I got a, a tool where I could actually see the amount of radiation uh, that I was living in. and. Uh, I was working in and that was really a game changer for me because I'm also kind of lazy. Um, I like to eat cake. I like to live a normal life. I like to sure. go out and stuff, but I'm like, you know what? I can change my home environment at least I can get. And the first thing I did was just turn off the Wi-Fi when I'm not using it. I don't have to sleep next to my Wi-Fi router. And I think people, the first thing is really just people realize what is impacting their health and then just maybe not do anything about it, but just realize, okay, I'm sleeping. My Wi-Fi router is underneath my bed. Um, maybe I'm having a binge eating problem every night and I have mercury fillings. You're not going to change all of that overnight, but you have insight into these are your weakest things. And then you might begin to change them a little after little and do a yes, yeah, small, change, which can eventually have a big impact in time. But I think it's like people get, I mean, a lot of these health changes, people get sometimes very aggressive because it's like, they don't want to take responsibility. If they understand it, then they feel like they have to change it. And it's inconvenient. You get into people's comfort zone. So they don't even want to realize that these things can be unhealthy. Um, I think that's the big biggest obstacle. That's the realization of what is impacting our health, and only then can we begin to change it little by little. But people don't want to realize it because it's inconvenient.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I used to call myself the inconvenient truth of health because <laughs> it's like, you just, you just come at people with like these things and it's, it, it is hard. It's hard to change your health, but um, there are so many more questions I'd love to ask you. I want to be respectful of your time. This has been uh, certainly enlightening to me. I'm sure anybody who's listening probably got some good tidbits out of this especially talking about like not just hey what can i take for my thyroid what can i take for my chronic fatigue what can i take for my brain fog but really looking at these things from the most root cause perspective which is how can i how can i make changes to my environment that could have even bigger, profound changes in me. So, um, Christina, thank you so much for joining me today on the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Before we sign off, uh, can you direct the, the listener, the viewer, where they can find you, learn more about you, maybe even work with you um, if that's available?
1: Um, thank you so much for having me on your awesome podcast, Eric. And uh, I'm at Christinasantini.com. So, that's where I'm at.
0: Awesome. And we'll link to that in the show notes here. And you can find those show notes over at holisticneutropics.com forward slash podcast. And with that, thank you so much for listening and watching and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain boosting info,
1: in-depth articles and show notes, check out holisticneutropics.com.